Hope FM, Faith-Filled Radio. We are going very much international uh, today and uh, now we're going to focus on the work of an organisation called ICN, our International uh, Care Network. What do they do? Well, they help to rebuild the lives of asylum seekers and vulnerable migrants, amongst uh, other things. But why am I telling you when I've got the chief executive of the organisation here in the studio, Colin Buchanan? Uh, So, Colin, tell us about ICN. In a nutshell, what what do you guys do? Okay, actually, it's Erwin Buchanan. Erwin, sorry, <laughs> no I do beg your pardon. <laughs> Thanks, Giles, for uh, Giles. Thanks, Blair, Blair for offering. Uh, all right, I, you're allowed to get me. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for inviting us to come in. I've come in with Rachel, uh, one of my colleagues, uh, to um, just talk a little bit about ICN. And uh, yeah, ICN's been uh, a local Christian charity here in Bournemouth for about uh, actually 20 years. Um, so you're not new on the block? No, we're not. We've been around a long time. And, and actually, really, ever since the days when the Home Office were putting some uh, asylum seekers into hotels, uh, sort of run-down hotels in Bournemouth, that's really when it started. When some of those students, um, some of those uh, um, refugees and asylum seekers came to English lessons and the teachers uh, reached out to them um, and an ICM was formed. It was initially helping them with... Uh, Oh, with clothing items, then helping him to find accommodation, better accommodation, and um, uh, and, and 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 out of that, the charity was uh, set up in two thousand and two. And since then, we've been we've been uh, really we've really developed as the 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 needs of the refugee community in Bournemouth uh, and Dorset ha- have developed. Um, so we teach English. Um, we we still run a, a kind of a advice and support centre, particularly giving advice um, around immigration. That's legal advice. There's very few people in the south coast doing that. Um, uh, and advice around uh, employment, housing. And if people haven't got jobs, uh, welfare support. Um, and we've we've been blessed in having a wonderful relationship with the local authority uh, here, local authorities actually in the south, but particularly in BC, in the new BCP local authority and in Dorset, where we look after unaccompanied asylum seeker children for them and provide accommodation. And so, well, these are sixteen and seventeen year old uh, young men primarily who 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 end up in Dorset. Um, and uh, need to be looked after. Uh, I, let's go ahead. Well, one of the one of the things that I, one of the other little things I do is I'm uh, one of the vice chairs of the fostering panel for okay. BCP, and uh, I've often read about the young people uh, 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 coming, uh, who, and of course the, their case histories, but but the need to to link them with suitable families mm-hmm. and accommodation, of course, and of course uh, also the language is big 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 challenges for them as well. It is after after you know the, the, these young people are coming from. Well, a, a few years ago it was mainly Afghanistan, but now more recently we've had uh, young people coming from um, Ethiopia, Eritrea, South Sudan, um, Syria, um, what we call Kurdistan, but actually is Iraq, um, uh, coming seeking refuge here, fleeing war and, and trouble, and so they come with. Lots of trauma uh, and lots of baggage, if you like, in their lives, and need a safe place uh, just to settle down. and And it's wonderful that the way that um, you know, if they're under eighteen, they're mainly sixteen, seventeen year olds. Um, they get looked after children status and support, and an ICN is a 
is a service provider for that mm. to the local children's services. And of course, one of the things that maybe people don't realize that even though that young people may come here from an emergency situation, they still actually have to seek leave to remain, which, which of course can be a, a hugely traumatic experience for them, can't it? Yes, you, you got it in a word. It's just that next trauma, really. <laughs> like this traumatic, it's just settling here and adjusting to our lifestyle and, 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 and so on. Some of them, uh, you know, have come without very with very little education in their background. So we're we're, we're trying to get them to to learn English and, and and that so on and so forth. And and they 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 do. Normally, most of them, when they get over the traumatic the trauma of coming, they begin to settle and to take full advantage of the opportunities we give them here for sport and for learning and so on and so forth. Yeah. Do you think uh, attitudes are beginning to change? I know one of one of the the worrying things and perhaps wasn't held by the whole Brexit debate, you yeah. know, whichever side people were on that debate. But but of course the the the, the migration, the immigration was a, was a big issue uh, and so on. But it, wouldn't it be true to say that probably many of us don't really have a lot of knowledge about the the tremendous challenges and the suffering uh, that so many of these well young people and families have had to go through, which actually has has led to them needing to escape f- uh, from the countries from which they 've come uh, because of well multiple reasons but I think that 's absolutely true um, uh, i 'm afraid the media have sometimes uh, magnified a problem which is not really there. Um, th- we, we, my colleague says sometimes that we're, we're endorse it. We're, we're sort of it's like we're receiving a drops of the crest of a growing wave of migration, which is sweeping across the world. Like the stats are are startling. There's 26 million refugees in the world today, uh, and that number is increasing. 40 percent of them are children. Uh, top countries are coming from places like Syria, Venezuela, Afghanistan, South Sudan. These are all actually, uh, we're actually receiving all of these folks in, in, in Dorset, in Bournemouth and Poole and Christchurch. Um, and, but it's not, it's not overwhelming. Um, we're not a dispersal area from the Home Office to send people to. So the folks who arrive here already have it here or they're just um, growing families. The, mainly the, 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 the folks who are supporting, there, there are hundreds, if you like, refugee families in Dorset. Um, and then there's a small number, as we referred to a few moments ago, of uh, asylum-seeking young children. Uh, I think everyone's aware of the fact that once you've got status here, you become a refugee Without status, you 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 know you apply for asylum. You're an asylum seeker. There's a distinction here, um, and thankfully nowadays most of the young people that we have are actually getting status, which is really really uh, wonderful. Uh, the Home Office are, are uh, receiving them and and able to give them status here. Hope FM, faith-filled radio. Well, I'm sat opposite another lovely guest here, that's Rachel Sawyers, and uh, your title is is refugee family support uh, worker. So, yes. what does that what does that entail, Rachel? Almost everything or anything you can imagine. Chief so, cook and bottle washer. <laughs> exactly, it, it is very varied, which I really really love. But you know, one day you might be at the hospital attending hospital appointments with someone. Another day you might be building a bed in a house for a new arrival or doing shopping at Asda. Um, So primarily, I've been at ICN for two years now, and primarily I've been working with the Syrian families. Um, So this area is a resettlement area for 
um, vulnerable Syrian families who have been selected for the government Syrian relocation scheme. So um, that means that the, the council has liaised with the Home Office who have liaised with the UNHCR um, and these families have been selected due to their vulnerability criteria um, selected for resettlement in the UK um, as priority needs and we sought out accommodation with the help of the council and then we uh, pick them up from the airport when they arrive and in the Bournemouth and Poole area we work with them for four or five years for the duration of their time as um, refugees before they can apply for indefinite leave to remain Um, and as a support worker that is picking them up from the airport that is applying for benefits that is making sure that their health needs are taken care of making sure that they're in education um, both adults and children and then just um, really trying to encourage independence and positive integration into the community. So, Rachel, what was it that attracted you to this sort of work? Well, I think my whole life has been, um, God's definitely been leading me this way. So my parents are missionaries. Um, They work with Wycliffe Bible translators in sub-Saharan Africa. So I was born out there in Africa and lived there until I was 16. Um, So I've had a very international upbringing. Um, At university, I studied international development and social anthropology, Um, which is kind of the study of people along with the study of international development, humanitarian response, disaster relief management. Um, And then I I kind of stumbled across this by accident. Um, It was one of those, uh, my mum heard Erwin talk at her church. She sent me an email address. I sent an email. They happened to have a job opening and it it just fell into place. Um, But I have really loved getting to know the families that I work with. I mean, I know that we, we, we can't, uh, you know, talk about specifics about, about families, but, but let's just um, paint a picture, really, of because mm. obviously there you are picking folk up at the airport. They must be very apprehensive, maybe mm. quite damaged from whatever it is that they've come from. Tell us a sort of a typical story without... without Yes, we um we see a real mix actually, and it's something that surprised me uh, quite a lot when I started. I think I had some preconceived notions that I wouldn't have been able to articulate before I started, but we do see a real mix of um, educational background, a financial background, but they do all come, like you said, with a mixture of apprehension and excitement. They are thrilled to be somewhere safe. They're always happy that they are safe and that their children will grow up somewhere that is secure. But it comes with a lot of separation and grief in the sense that they have lost, you know, massive amounts. They've lost their family um, in terms of just not being with them and they still worry about them, you know, every day. So there is a real, you can tell there's a real mix of emotions for them. They are happy to be here and be safe but in an ideal world, they would be at home with their family, um, in their culture, in the country that they love. Um, but for the most part, they really want to make the best of the situation that they're in. You know, they're, they're very keen to learn English as quick as possible if they don't have any. They ask us almost straight away, when can we start work? Um, they ask us straight away, when will I start my English lessons? 
can I have more hours English lessons a week? Um, so they're here, they want to make the most of it, absolutely. I mean, obviously you're you're talking sometimes about professional people. These yeah. are people who have not only given up, of course, their homes and their families, as you just said, Rachel, but of course their career. Yep. Uh, so th- that must be so, so challenging. You know what, it is, um, some of them... Again, there's a real mix. So some of them are had only maybe five or six years of education and have worked um, in shops or as manual labourers and others, um, travel agents, psychologists, educated to university level, um, teachers, head teachers. So again, some of them want to dive straight back into their, the career that they had before. And it can be hard explaining sometimes that, you know, they're going to have to start from the beginning. If you're an electrician there, you're going to have to start from the beginning here and do all the qualifications over again to be certified. Um, and that that can be hard for them. Again, it's another loss, like you said. Yes, well, it's, it's one loss a, a, a after another. Do you do, a, do you, do you do an assessment with all the folk who come, you know, just to... I guess get to know them, get to know their needs. How much information comes with them? I, mean, I know with some of the young people that we were mm. talking about earlier on, sometimes there's a question mark, you know, over their ages and that sort of thing. They so, may not know, you know. Yeah, how- we we are fortunate in that because the Syrian families have arrived on a government scheme, they have been assessed and interviewed by the Already. UNHCR in their host country. So um, they, we receive information on their story kind of what led them to their host country so what took them to Jordan or Lebanon or Egypt from Syria Um, and that is really good because it's useful information for us to have but it's not always something that you want to ask them directly Um, many of them will volunteer that information as they get to know you and trust you but um, sometimes it's nice to know that information without having to ask bring it up for them by asking so we do have an idea we will know in advance if they have any particular health needs that need to be assessed within the first week of their arrival um or if there's any mental health needs that um need they need to be linked in with psychiatrist or step to well-being which again that's really useful to know in advance so we're fortunate in regards to the amount of information we have before they arrive hope fm faith-filled radio Yes, and my uh, very special focus this hour is in, uh, on ICN, International Care Network. I've got uh, Erwin and Rachel here who are being putting me straight about what the organisation does. Now, I know that ICN is very much a, a Christian organisation, but of course you have to be sensitive. You're, you're not an evangelistic organisation in the sense that uh, that you can just freely just share the gospel because of, I guess people coming under your care from must be from many different faith backgrounds. Um, but how, do you, how, how would you describe how the Christian element of what you do plays out? I think we're very, we're very blessed, Blair, with the fact that we sense that God has called together a group. Actually, there's 20 of us now on the payroll. Um, and we actually represent 12 different churches, the last count I had, <laughs> um, in, 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 the, in the local authority, which is wonderful to have that church support and, and to have folks. But the, it's really to do with the fact that God has called young people, uh, particularly older people as well, just to be together in fellowship um, uh, with a passion 
um, to reach the nations and to you know to support them. The the whole kind the verse in Leviticus that that sort of started off the charity all those years ago was around. We're to welcome the stranger. God spoke to the Israelites and treat them as one of your own. And that's really the kind of the, the verse that's continued with us right throughout these 20 years. Um, think of the Good Samaritan as well. Reaching out across cultures, reaching out to the nations uh, is, is very much w- w- who we are and what we do. And, and we really do enjoy fellowship together. We, we pray together every morning uh, uh, before the day starts. We have a, a time on a Wednesday when we have a spend an hour together when we're all unpaid, <laughs> including volunteers, and, and we, 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 we just encourage one another in our faith. And we just seek to live godly lives um, in, in w- w- with our friends. And as Titus, I think, says about doing good to all men, <laughs> that's really what we do. We, we just seek to uh, with our passion, with our calling, with our professionalism as well. Uh, all of the staff have got professional qualifications, either to teach English or to give immigration legal advice or uh, support workers and so on, finance officer and so on. It is just great. And it's lovely too that we have a, a multicultural team, both in the trustees and among the staff. So it, it is a wonderful sense of, of the... I think of the body of Christ <laughs> locally here in BCP reaching out uh, to, to our strangers or to our uh, uh, migrants who are coming uh, in, into this uh, area. Mm. And of course, they, there's, there's also that verse about the widows and the orphans, Rachel. Absolutely, isn't there? yeah. That, yep. uh, right at the heart of the gospel, isn't it? About uh, yep. how important that is. Yeah, so I think social justice is a theme in the Bible, not only in the Gospels, but from, you know, Owen mentioned the verse in Leviticus, but from Deuteronomy and Genesis, there God is placing rules and regulations into the law, into the foundation of the Israelite covenant for with provisions for the vulnerable in society. And I think that focusing on that and just living in a way, like Owen says, you know, and you've said we we can't always proselytize. We never proselytize. We can't always speak directly to our faith with the people that we work with, but they know that we are Christians and we seek to live in a way that makes them respect our faith and shows them the character of Jesus in that way. And very often that does invite questions. And I know I've had great conversations with um, Muslim friends who are, like Owen says, they respect what we do, Mm. they appreciate what we do, and they ask us questions about what we believe, and you can have some really good conversations. So I think it's just living out that commandment to love others as yourself and to prioritize the needs of the vulnerable that those actions speak louder than words in many ways. Mm. I mean, obviously, there's a great deal of instability in, in the world. We're seeing what's happening in Hong Kong. Mm. Uh, and that's going to be another big issue, isn't it? Of course, Syria, you've yep. already mentioned. I, I guess that, I mean, the, the, that figure that you quoted about the number of refugees mm. and so on worldwide mm. running into millions. Mm. Uh, I mean, I guess that, that what we're doing in this country is, is very much a drop in the ocean, isn't tiny, it? Tiny, mm. tiny. And yet we are, we are one of the principal givers, aren't we, in terms of, of international aid and so on? We do, yes, we are. I think also, Blair, the thing that 
I, I, I remember this country, we have a heritage of welcoming the stranger. We've done that over hundreds, a godly heritage, if you like. And, you know, I guess that's one of the things that I would, I really wanted to pray for is that, <laughs> that we would continue to remember that and, and to, to welcome the needy and the, the, um, the vulnerable um, who come here seeking refuge, seeking safety, seeking uh, an opportunity just to, to, to rebuild their lives. And, to, um, and, and some of them, you know, well, all of them, when, you, when, when they settle here, they're so grateful, they're so thankful, um, and, and so blessed. Like we, we had <laughs> last oh, Tuesday, yeah, nice we, we had, a, we had a, f- uh, the last family that arrived. We actually support currently eight families uh, from Syria in, in BCP. Uh, and, um, and there's some more on the way, aren't there? Uh, Hopefully, we've got our fingers crossed, <laughs> hands hand lifted in prayer. Yes, like uh, yeah, we're, there's lots of needs around now. But let, let me just mention the fact that you know they came a year ago, and I, I, I remember picking them up from the airport, and 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 they were actually this was a blessing. A group of, of ethical investors in, in the Wimborne area called Safe. Haven Wessex got together and raised the, the money to buy a, a small terraced house near our offices uh, for for a needy family for a needy refugee family, and it's a lovely property which really they have nice. settled into a lovely couple with two small boys um, from um, from Damascus, and on their first anniversary, they sent us just a box of chocolates and flowers just so grateful said this is from us saying thank you and from all the other families as well saying thank you for welcoming us and supporting us as we've made this transition as we've settled down here as we've got our kids into school as we've uh, Mm. found employment and and things like that and that's just that was really special it is special. yeah really heartwarming yeah well it's an encouragement as well isn't it when you get when because when you know that that, that you're you're hitting the spot aren't you you're you're Mm. doing the thing And, and i'm sure i'm sure the lord would have a smile on his face <laughs> as well, of course, the other thing that we should mention is that a lot of your commission work is coming either from, I guess, from central government or very often through, in this case, BCP or or even Dorset County Council. Or yep. I don't know whether you work with other local authorities, but I guess you wouldn't get those commissions if, unless they felt that you were doing a very good job. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, we had some feedback from Dorset Council recently. We work kind of more short term with them we help them with intensive support when Syrian families arrive we just do two months with Dorset council families um but the feedback was really really positive and I think any feedback I've heard has has been positive you know Mm. we work with professionalism and we maintain good relationships with those local authority leads Mm. um I think that that really makes a big difference we really want to cheer on the local authorities mm-hmm. and particularly the, 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 the in, in terms of children's services uh, when these young people turn up you know at, at the police station and, and, and their age assessed being under 18 it is quite challenging and uh, meeting their needs the needs they have are very very different from the needs of other young people or British young people that age um, and um, and I think they, you're, you're right. They, they look to us as, as folks who have got some experience in, 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 in settling them and in helping them, supporting them, accommodating them. Um, and, uh, yeah. Is there a lot of self-help with the families? Because obviously you've got a number of families mm. and uh, they've all, 
all very different in 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 the the, the life experiences and the trauma yep. that we talked about earlier on. But have they become a community together as as they've come together to learn language or or to learn life skills or whatever? Yeah, I think in general they do. You know, they meet up at the weekends before lockdown. Anyway, the group of families would meet up almost every weekend to eat together. Um, occasionally we would do holidays or long weekends away with all the families um, and they just love that and the children love being able to play together so I think like any any group of people we we can't assume that just because they're all Syrian refugees they will all get along all the time because <laughs> no more than British that, people exactly <laughs> that's not always the case they they aren't always best friends but we do see them supporting each other mm. when they're in a, a position to do that um, and that's always really encouraging for us as well. Yeah, that's one of our aims really is to promote this community integration. Communities. Yeah. We have actually quite strong communities of uh, Afghans, um, Hazara, uh, uh, a group of Afghan families uh, and others. And we really do, uh, as much as we can, sometimes with practical help and so on, support those community group develop- uh, developments, if you like. And has the integration, you know, into into Bournemouth Pool, Christchurch yep. life, has that been positive? In the main, you know, the as the families have joined, I, the Bournemouth co- is a great place to live. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know we we, we the, uh, so there is a bit of a, a you know families from up north have moved south <laughs> because they've got <laughs> friends down here and then and they you know they, they I think, don't want to be here. It's 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 a, it is a good place. Obviously it's very multicultural and multi ethnic here with all the language schools and, 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 and different people and so it's easy to, to you know to, to, to be around here and, and of course they have the shops and, and halal meat shops and, and all that kind of thing. All those facilities are here for for people from other cultures. Um and um yeah, so uh, yeah, it, it is. It's it's uh, it's it's a good place. Sometimes for, uh, some of the young people go up uh, to London or whatever, but actually they soon come back <laughs> and realize this opportunity. The challenge, of course, for all of these families and the young people too, is 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 finding employment, and mm. of course that's and of course that's, that's going to be even even it's greater, going to be even harder. Yeah. Yes, mm. yes. You're listening to Community Now on Hope FM with Keith Jones Bookshop. Serving the community for over 50 years. Visit keithjones.co.uk. And of course, talking to Erwin and Rachel from uh, ICN. Now, we were talking there about the great need for accommodation. And uh, and obviously, th- that, that could be maybe one way in which uh, people could help. Yeah, absolutely. So um, BCP have amazingly committed to receiving more families on the resettlement scheme. But um, what we need to find is accommodation that is affordable and appropriate. So in the past, um, groups of investors have purchased houses for us um, with a mandate to house a vulnerable refugee family. Um, And other landlords agree to rent those houses at a kind of compassionate rate that is close to housing benefit rates. Um, So that's one way. If you're in a position to do that, that's one way you can really help us and the family. So if you have a uh, if you have a property and maybe you'd be you know wanting to rent it, maybe just a wee bit lower than the market rate, that mm. would that would really help. Um, so that that's one way in which you could help. Of course, you you're needing a, a person, are you, to to actually become like a a house parent for another? Yes, project. we we just started a new project. We've taken on a. a HMO in in Charminster four bedroomed uh, <coughs> with a room downstairs, room downstairs for a, a couple or a single person to look after um, newly arrived 
uh, asylum seeker young people. And uh, that starts in September, that project. This, again, is something, a very great need for the local authority. And, of course, the local authority and ICN as well are very, very keen to welcome... Uh, if, if a family would like to receive one of these young people and look after them for well, six months onwards, we're very open to that and we can help you, you know, get you ready for that and, and, and support you in, in having young people living in your home, giving them that sort of family experience. Well, sadly, time has evaded us. Uh, is there anything else that I have missed that you'll be going to the studio and think, oh, we splared, ask me that? Um, I think... You know, we really value your prayers. We know that that's what um, keeps us going in a large sense is just people praying for the work that we do um, and that there would be fruit, that there would be positive integration. Mm -hmm. Um, We do also have a site on our website where if you want to give a one-off donation or Mm -hmm. set up a monthly payment to support this work, um, you are able to do that. But really, we know that what we do is by the grace of God and, and your prayers are So check valuable. out the website. I, ICN.org. Dot UK. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yes. just like that. For more inspirational interviews, podcasts and Hope FM best bits, visit hopefm.com forward slash listen again.